Welcome to Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow, and we start this week with soccer. And the U.S. women's national team, they are officially in the Olympics. They beat Mexico in the semifinals of an Olympic qualifying tournament and followed that up with a win against Canada. Head coach Vladko Andovnoski talked after the Olympic clincher. The coach in me will always say that we can get better, and uh, there, there's different ways we can get better. But, uh, you know, individually we can get better, and we can get better as a team. And uh, regardless of how well we do, we'll, uh, we'll always find something to, to push this team. And it seems like the, the, this team embraces those challenges, embraces, embraces those, uh, those opportunities, and wants to get better. Uh, and when I say this team, I mean, I mean all these individuals uh, on a daily basis. That, that's, the, that's their theme, getting better every day. The U.S. is hoping to bounce back after not making the podium in 2016. More concerns about the coronavirus and the Olympics. Tokyo officials say the games will go on as planned, and they are taking proper precautions. However, USA athletes do not appear to be getting any guidance from the USOPC or their athletic associations about any travel precautions. Many athletes I've spoken with have said they have not been told anything about competing or traveling with this threat of coronavirus. The U.S. women's basketball team has already qualified for Tokyo, but they had a bit of a scare against Nigeria in a qualifying tournament last week, down by double digits at the half and down even in the fourth quarter before finishing off Nigeria 76-71. Katie Lusan Samuelson of the Chicago Sky had 10 points in that one. Congrats to Puerto Rico. Their women's basketball team has qualified for its first Olympic Games. In this week's Athlete Spotlight, we get a twofer. Two karate competing sisters from Illinois hoping to punch their ticket to Tokyo. I met the Lingle sisters, 21-year-old Cirrus and 19-year-old Skylar at their karate club in Palatine. Believe it or not, this is the first time karate will be a part of the Olympics. It's been a sport that's been growing in the U.S. for decades. My apologies for the audio quality. It was a Radio 101 kind of mistake on my part. But the content from the Lingle sisters is as solid as their performances on the mat. How did you get into this sport to begin with? So my dad did karate when he was in college, and we would wrestle with him a lot. So he was like, oh, do you guys want to start karate? And we were all like, yeah. And so then that's kind of how we got started. I want to know about everything you've done over the last couple weeks, because you went to France to compete. Tell me about what, what that experience was like. It was my first really big karate one tournament, so it was very almost intimidating at first because there's so many like names and like high level people there and after going there and I just like kind of like try to put myself in the flow as if I wasn't at any other tournament and got into the flow and it was pretty good I won my first two rounds and then lost my third round to Russia but it was definitely a good first experience for that kind of tournament. Sure. How about you? I had a bye my first round, and then I won my next round, and then I lost in the third round to a girl from Bulgaria to a sneaky kick, so there's always learning experiences from that, obviously. What was this tournament? What was it for? It was for um, the Olympic point system for karate. You can earn points through up through the Olympic rankings. How does this work, then, for the 2020 Games? You're, you're trying to accumulate as many points as you possibly can. Um, how far along in that process are are there how many more tournaments are there and when do you kind of get a better understanding of, of where you're at? These tournaments, only the top people in the world can compete in them, first of all, and then... Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but then after that, then um, there's a, an Olympic ranking, and the more points you earn, obviously, the higher up you go in the Olympic ranking. So the more tournaments that you compete in, the better you do it in all of them, the higher up you go. There's three more of them before the last chance Olympic qualifier, 
that's in May. And if you're ranked high enough, then you don't have to go to the qualifier and you're automatically qualified for the Olympics. So is there a set number right now of how many qualify from Team USA? Each division, there's only a possibility of one person from Team USA for each division. But there's three women's divisions for fighting, three men's divisions for fighting, and then the kata, which are two more. So there's a possibility of eight people. So we'll just see how kind of the first half of the year goes to see how many actually qualify. Are you guys both in the same division? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> because our, our division, since hers is heavyweight and mine is the one right underneath, our divisions combined. So we're going against each other. But Do, Have you had to go against each other? Um, not technically like in an actual match, but we've been like in the same division fighting similar girls. So Okay. All right. Very good. So you're, you're kind of midway through that process right now, it sounds like. So is there a USA Championships? I know that swimming's got theirs, track and field has theirs. Is there a, a time when they combine all the U.S. people and competing against each other, or are you just kind of picking up random tournaments? So we actually just had the U.S. team trials. It was the week before we were in Paris, okay. and both of us took first place in our separate divisions, and so that qualifies us for the world championships that are later in the year after the Olympics, too. But then when they combined our divisions, then we had a bunch of more fights that same day, and then I won that tournament. So now for the last chance qualifier in May, I'm the one that represents us from USA at the qualifier in May. All right, so so you're just trying to stay healthy, I would assume. That's a big part yes. of this process because you're probably in a pretty good place right now, but staying healthy is, is going to be key. Yeah, it's important to stay healthy at this point, and going to all the other tournaments is just to gain experience to make sure that I'm as prepared as I can be for May when May comes. All right, walk me through a, a typical day for you. So for me, a typical day, I wake up in the morning and I'll go to school to start the day. What school? Parker College. Okay, so you get some classes then? Yeah, so I'll either have uh, Tuesday, Thursdays, I only have one class a day. Other days, I'll have up to three classes. And then in between or after I'm done with all my classes, I'll go to training probably for like an hour, an hour and a half. I'll go home, shower, eat, and then get ready. And I'll usually go during the week to go teach later at night for probably like four or five hours and sometimes training at night too. Okay, same. Uh, yeah, very similar. I don't have school as many days during the week, but on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays I do have school too, but I go all the way downtown for school at Rosemount. Okay. So that adds a little bit of a community time management. But the other days I just train and I go home and then I teach at night too. So uh, what, uh, what are you studying? I'm studying marketing. I'm still unsure at the moment. I have to figure that out, but <laughs> not Has Team USA talked to you guys at all about coronavirus or anything about with with related to travel and, and trying to protect yourself at all or no? Uh, we haven't heard anything from Team USA personally about the coronavirus. Um, when we were coming back from France, a lot of people had like face masks on from uh, traveling, but other than that, we haven't really noticed anything. When you guys say you're teaching, what are you teaching? We're teaching karate, so we go and we teach kids ranging from like four years old all the way up through adults, beginners, all the way through black belts, all different kinds of stuff. So like our katas, like routines, or even the fighting part, which is what we do best. Karate has become... Bigger, it's 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 kind of expanded. Uh, probably in what the eighties, nineties, two thousands, it started to to get large. I'm starting to see uh, whether it be karate or taekwondo popping up in every strip mall uh, across America. Is that that's good for the sport? It's excellent for the sport. I think uh, karate being in the Olympics for the first time this year too is helping it a lot, a lot of exposure because in the United States it's not as popular as it is in European countries and in Japan. Obviously, it's much more popular there. So I think the more popular 
market, just the better it is for the sport. Who are the countries then that are kind of the top dogs when it comes to karate? So the top dogs when it comes to karate is, I'd say, probably Japan, just because most of karate originated from Japan. Um, France is another big one, probably Italy, um, just a lot of European countries, just because they they're so close to each other, so they have a lot of competition within each other and training camps. So. And you mentioned Russia. Russia is kind of an interest. You mentioned I Russia. <laughs> well, Russia is interesting this year, right? Because Russia has been banned from the Olympics, but performing as a team, um, they can compete individually. Have, have there been any discussions about what that means as far as competition, or is it just keep competing and we'll see what happens? Uh, personally, I think it's just keep competing because whether they're you know fighting under the Russian flag or in a, like whatever the Olympic flag is, it's we have to beat them either way. So sure. Just, what's what's karate like here in the uh, suburbs of Chicago? Is it, is it a big deal? Uh, I think it's becoming a bigger deal because we go through the park district, so through repeated exposure, people see it all the time. Like are seeing it more and more, and it's becoming less of like such a far fetched idea to do it. Sure. All right. So uh, I assume the the ultimate goal is Japan 2020 this summer. I, are you visualizing yourself there already, or is that getting putting the the, the cart before the horse? Um, so the whole part of doing karate is you have to try to visualize yourself at those bigger tournaments. Otherwise, you're not going to have the confidence within yourself to be able to do well at those tournaments. So obviously, I'm trying to envision myself at the Olympics this year in 2020, but also envisioning myself just in all the bigger tournaments, like at Senior Pan Ams this year in May or at the Senior Worlds this year later in the year after the Olympics. So being the older of the sisters, is it is it hard not to get your let your emotions get the best of you when you're when you're thinking about the summer? Uh, of course, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm an emotional person sometimes, so sometimes it's hard to keep them under control and keep them in check. But that's also what I think makes me so unique is my ability to you know have those emotions when I need them and kind of embrace them when I need to. So I don't know, it just keeps life interesting, that's for sure. What are what are your goals? For, for 2020? I mean, even before the Olympics, during the Olympics? So for 2020, I definitely, in May, I want to place in the top three at the tournament so I can so I can qualify for the Olympics and then take it from there. I don't want to, obviously, I want to envision myself at the Olympics, but I also have to get there first. So I'm picturing mostly the beginning part first, but obviously being at the Olympics would be the coolest experience of my life. And that's what I hope to accomplished this year. What is the age of, of most of the people you're competing? Are they pretty much in that range of 18 to 25? Are they older? Where are you at on the spectrum? Uh, we're generally at the younger end of the spectrum. A lot of kids are um, a little bit older than us, like mid to late 20s. A lot of them are, so they're a little bit older than us. All right. Does that, does that give you an advantage or a disadvantage when you're squaring off against someone who's maybe a little bit older? So I'd say it's a little bit of both. It's an advantage just because they haven't seen you fight before, so it's not like you've been against this person many times. It's a fresh start, it's a fresh fresh face, so it's very easy to just go out there and just do your best, try your best. Obviously there's not gonna be as much experience that you have doing the being in the ring at those high levels, but as long as your mind is in it, you're 
It's pretty easy. Uh, the doping testing, I assume you guys have been tested and are tested quite frequently. Have you got any stories about being in re weird, random places? Do they test you together, or is it just completely random? No, the first time I was tested after a, a competition, I was still 17, but uh, so I had like filled out all of the paperwork, and then like when they were like, oh, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 17, and then they were like, oh, you need a parent with you, so I had to start over and <laughs> redo all the paperwork, and I had to go find my mom, and so then we had to start over, and then she had to watch the lady, so it was just like it was all kinds of interesting. <laughs> you, know, you never got any calls or anything on like Christmas morning or New Year's or anything like that. Yeah, luckily no. The only times that I've been tested at least have been at like the major competitions in Colorado. So it's like after we compete and after we're done and we've received our places in the in our divisions, we've been tested. The first time I was tested, I didn't have the urge to go until I was watching her and I was getting <laughs> nervous, and then I was like, oh, there, I have to go. <laughs> um, safe sports been a big issue uh, and you are dealing with younger people how how is how is karate handling uh, safe sports the training of kids abuse things like that I mean is it better now is it still in the works I think it definitely is better now before we go to any of the training camps or any of the competitions we have to make sure that we're um, safe sport qualified so we have to fill out and go through the tutorial and the education and all that kind of stuff to look for the signs and just know what to do and what not to do and how to behave and they make sure that um, you know eyes are on us like the whole time, and you know everything is very transparent. It seems like the, the Dr. Larry Nasser thing had a big impact, mm -hmm. didn't it? Did, did you notice it? I mean, do you feel like athletes um, are being treated better, or at least have a voice now that maybe they didn't have before? I definitely do think athletes do have more of a voice, whether it's the public is listening to them or athletes are just finding if they are under any kind of like abuse or anything they just find the voice within themselves just because they know that it's been happening more recently and it's coming out that it's not okay for any of this to be happening so I think the fact that that was a big major start that so many girls went through such a tragic like event that now people are realizing that if it is happening to them, it's okay for them to step out and get help that they need. Do you feel any added pressure? You said this is, so this is karate's first time in the Olympics. Do you feel additional pressure uh, to have success so that this will continue on and this just isn't a one and done? Uh, I don't find it as much as pressure, as much as motivation to show the world like what karate is because karate is my entire life up to now, like I've done it my entire life. So having it finally be on the world's largest stage, I want everybody to see like what karate is. And so it's motivation. I find it more than like pressure to do well. I was talking with softball. Softball's back, baseball's back, but they think it's going to be gone after Japan. The only reason it's there is because it's Japan. And then, you know, uh, maybe when it comes back to the U.S., it'll be back. Um, obviously, you two are very young still. I mean, the goal would be not just 2020, but you're probably long-term also thinking 2024, maybe even 2028. Of course. We're hopefully thinking that it'll be in the Olympics again because... Being in the Olympics this one time is already going to be such an amazing experience. Having it in, in 2024 and 2028 would be awesome. But obviously we just have to show the world that karate is super interesting and it is a growing sport that should be recognized.
and it would be nice to get some TV time, I assume, for the sport. I, I mean, you, you won't be able to know because you're not, you know, you're going to be competing in it, but um, this is a big moment for the sport in this in the United States, right? I mean, you could be front and center, uh, maybe if, if all goes well, maybe in prime time. Yeah, that would be super awesome. From, like, the Pan Am Games when they were, you know, broadcasting that, I know, I like, a bunch of people were able to watch karate from that just because it was on TV and it's, like, right there in front of them. So if we can get it to be right there in front of them again at the Olympics, I think that that will just draw more people in and be more attracted to it. Thank you, Cirrus and Skylar. We'll continue to follow their progress in the coming weeks. Next week, we'll be talking about USA basketball. Stay tuned for the next Quest for Gold. I'm Ryan Burrow.